Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. How y'all doing? <clears throat> yeah? Well, we have exactly one week till Christmas. That's pretty cool. I can't believe how fast this year went. Is it getting faster every year, or is it just me? Golly, it's crazy. I'll be in John chapter 1. Let's just read it together, and then we'll go back and refer back to it for the next little bit. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, <clears throat> cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. That verse is a really powerful verse if you actually just sit in it for a little while. Verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, <clears throat> he has explained him. So those are the verses I'll be referring back and forth to. Um, I was really impacted by the song that the worship team did this morning, the very first song. I mean, Bill, that's, that's really powerful. Uh, Diane, thank you for writing that, penning that song. Worship team, thanks for arranging it and performing it the way you did. Very, very... When I first... Uh, Diane first sent me the clip of it after they had done recording it, I couldn't even respond to her. Like, I was a mess watching it for the first time. And I told her, it was just like, it was beautiful, powerful, and true, just like he is. That's what... It, when I hear, heard that song... And even as we worshiped with it today and worshiped him with that song today, I just, I felt like it was a pure declaration of the purpose and intent of Jesus' coming. And the phrase that really hits me over and over again as I listen to that and sing that song to the Lord is that these three words, revelation is born. That was that line that's in there. And it just really strikes me because it's like, in these verses we read, John writes, that we no one has ever seen God. No one's ever seen him before. And then this Jesus shows up and he explains him. That's what John tells us. And it goes beyond just Jesus explaining. It actually says that of his fullness, we get to draw from. Of his fullness, we have all received, is what the verse says. Grace and truth. And to any fervent believer, even in, not even now, but even at that time, any fervent believer, that's what they were after. They were after both grace, which was the power to live the life God intended for them to live, 
And they were also after truth. Like, what is God actually like? Because previous to this, God had never been seen. There were people who said they had visitations. There are people who said they had heard from him. There are people who have said that they, like Moses, they were on the mountain and they were, he was allowed to see his backside. But no one had ever had this face-to-face, flesh-on-flesh type of encounter with God. <clears throat> John is starting out his rendition of a gospel, his rendition of a story of Jesus with this, almost like John chapter 1 for me is like this, guys, I cannot believe the privilege we've just been afforded. This is amazing. We have been given the honor and privilege of seeing God as he is. I've said this over and over again. I am a one-string guitar when it comes to certain subjects. And I know you can play lots of different pitches on one string, but after a while, you only can just keep playing the same string over and over again. And so this is mine for Christmas. God so wanted to be known that he chose to become like us so that he would be known. He didn't, if, he, if we were to have a question, we were supposed to have the answer in that person named Jesus. Any question about God, the answer is in Jesus. For all time. I'm very thankful for this. And John, thank you for elucidating it in this way, that no one has seen him at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. That verse, first of all, the only begotten God, it's, it's repeated twice in these four verses. There's another time there in verse 18. Sorry, in verse 15 or 16 when it says that. And in the Greek, it actually says, the one and only or the unique one. Or, this is the way it's phrased in the Greek, there's no one else like him. So the idea that he was born is one incredible thing. But the other thing is, is that there is no one that's like him before, during, or since. This is a one-time event. A 33-year miracle was walking around in flesh, and his name was Jesus. And if you ask me what John is doing here, is he's just like, I, 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 is he the one that said not enough books if all the books? He's the one, right? He's the one that says like, if all the books that could, could not enough, not enough books, fill the whole world. He's in this, I think, ongoing state of awe that they had the privilege of walking with God in the flesh. And so that's why this is my favorite gospel. Probably my favorite overall book of the Bible is John. Because honestly what it is, it's written so that the brethren, the Jews, would actually believe that Jesus is God. This book is written to convince his Jewish brethren, guys, no seriously, this is the one. You can stop looking. He is among us. He has been among us and now his spirit is in us. Powerful stuff. The kind of point that I wanted to get to today, and I, it's... Uh, super simple today for me. It's not super theological. Um, how many people have, if you're in Christianity lately, probably in the last, I would say, six to eight years, have heard this term deconstruction? Raise your hand if you've heard that word being thrown around. I'm curious, 
Just when I say that word in this context, because deconstruction can mean different things depending upon the context, but in the context of Christianity or the faith community, just shout out what the term deconstruction means to you. To you. Go ahead. Oh, okay, we just went right there. <laughs> I was waiting for a little bit more of a sailing one. So, did you hear her? They're kind of mad. A Christian's mad at the church, so they're what? So they're tearing apart the structures. I've more often heard it with Christians saying that they're going down to their very foundations of their belief and deconstructing it then if they want rebuild on like a new foundation because the foundation in which they were taught they either no longer agree with or they see they associate it with too much hurt so they mm -hmm. have to find their way you know experience it for themselves not how they were taught or like indoctrinated by their family or whatever like the denomination right. they're a part of right you guys got that don't need to repeat that because he just said a lot of words you got the gist of that? That was good. Thank you. Somebody else? You didn't hear it? Oh. Well, then we're going to do this. Say that again. I'm going to try to. It's on. It's on. Okay. So uh, the way I've most often heard it said is with Christians uh, saying that they're deconstructing is they're tearing down, going down to the very foundation of what their beliefs were based on because of being either um, taught or indoctrinated in a certain denomination or what their family believed and they no longer feel like that really represents them or uh, they no longer like uh, can really relate to that version of God in their mind so they have to go down tear down the very foundation and then if they would like to rebuild it from a new perspective that makes more sense to them um, at least like that sounds like very selfish I think uh, if you look at it the wrong way it's like oh they're recreating God for themselves but I think sometimes it just doesn't make sense for people especially you know, like what if you were, were raised Catholic, but then you realize that there's so much more to God than just what you're being taught there. Like, and then some people, I think, you know, they deconstruct because they've just been hurt, so they have to go down and figure out, like, is there a way that I can still believe and have the good parts without this hurt that I associate with it? So was that generally the same? You got that? I caught that now. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> That was very good. Is there another hand up of what it means to go after those two? Is there anything else you want to say to that? Chris. <clears throat> Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Diane. I thought mostly just like re-examining is the sort of like thing that I usually see a lot, that kind of thing, like whether it's just like, because like, okay, I believe this, and then they get introduced to like political stuff or whatever else that like makes them question stuff, that kind of thing. Thank you. Anybody else over there? So you've heard the term before though, right? Has anybody never heard this term in, in the context of Christianity or in terms of faith? You've all heard it? Oh, you've never heard it? Wow, okay.
So now you have a, a word for it. Well, I mean, the deconstruction word, but yeah, freedom. Yeah. <coughs> okay. But you were already doing it. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, Frederick. Can we meet in the middle here? Okay, good. No, it's okay. So, like, and I attended a church that started doing a lot of this. But my understanding of it is very much things like, well, scientists say that the great, the, when the flood happened, it wasn't the whole earth. It was just the Mediterranean area. And that's what they say, you know, scientists can show this, and it was just a known civilization. Okay. You know, and, you know, it, it, but then starting to question down things like that, it's like, okay, well then, how much, if we're going to disprove that in the Bible, when do we get to the point that we start disproving other things, like Christ came down to earth and died for our sins? That's what my understanding of a lot of it is, when we start questioning little things, like, okay, we accept that, but if we start questioning these things that we've, that we've taken, that we've put stock of faith in, mm. when do we get to the point that we have no faith left mm. and that we disprove everything? Mm. That was really good. Anyone else? Just in case for the future. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's really not far removed from anything I've been thinking about for deconstruction. And even the questions that Frederick just brought up, those are legitimate questions. I think Jesus coming in the flesh was a 2,000 years ago. Okay, guys, there's a whole lot of stuff out there. Like, I don't know what, you know, theories and even the religious traditions that kind of came out and even what the Pharisees were teaching 2,000 years ago. And it was almost as if Jesus comes, shows up, and it's like, I want to be the deconstruction of everything about God that was learned apart from actually knowing him. For me, Jesus is the ultimate deconstruction. And then, and this is the thing I, I, I want to hear more about, what are you constructing? Like, I think there's a lot of talk, like in, in the circles that I get, I know a lot of my circles are more ministry leaders and people that I talk to and relate to. And that's, that term has been bandied about for not only a really long time, I would say at least five to seven years, but also a lot. And I want to kind of put out there for you, if you've never really thought about it before, then this might not be, you know, a huge earth-shaking thought process to you. But I want, to, I want to present this idea of deconstruction. Mark, what does this have to do with Christmas? Can we just sing joy to the world and be done? Just hang tight. Hang tight. Because I think if we can talk about deconstruction, I think we can actually understand what Jesus was, what God was doing in Jesus. And so for me, when I see Jesus coming, I hear a lot of his ministry, but I say. In fact, you want to go look at how many times Jesus says, but I say. You'd be amazed. It's a lot more than you might think. And I, don't get me wrong, he repeats some of the same stuff from one gospel to another. Not him repeating it, but the writers are telling the same stories. But there's a lot of but I says. And what comes before the but I say is what you thought you knew. And then Jesus says, but I say. Okay? 
And so even in that is a little bit of that same idea of deconstructing. Okay, guys, because I've been invisible for a really long time, it kind of makes sense that you might not know everything about me that you need to know. You might have made some statements about me that now that I'm in the flesh, I might correct simply because you experience me. And so this is what goes on in the life of Jesus, not only as a virgin birth, literally a child. I mean, that, that pretty much cancels out most of the Jewish faith, the idea that the Messiah would come as a baby. Oh. See what I'm saying? Like, Jesus would never cry like that. The Messiah, <laughs> no, no, what? Yeah, no crying he makes. That's, I think that's, mm. anyway, <laughs> let's deconstruct that one. The point is this, Jesus shows up and his literal being causes many Jews to disbelieve. His declaration that I and the Father are one in the same book, 13 chapters later. I mean, they're ready to throw him off a cliff simply because he exists and dares call himself equal with God. This is an ongoing, his 33 years of living was an ongoing deconstruction for the Jewish person. And many of them totally rejected him in the process. Hello? So I want to make this statement in these terms of deconstruction. And I, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to generalize the term for me just so we can all have like this agreed upon definition and I'm saying it and you're going to agree with it. That's kind of how this is going to work here. Okay? You guys good with that? It's kind of like Ben just taking the mic from Maddie. All right. Basically, it's this. Anything that doesn't align with who Jesus is should be removed. Can you, are you with me on that? Okay, deconstruction is anything that doesn't align with who Jesus is. Let, let's, let's say, not say should be removed, but deconstruction actually means to take something apart, right? Deconstruct. I've had to deconstruct some things we built because after we looked at it for a little while, we're like, I think we can do that differently, or I think we can do that better, or when we lean on it and it moves, oh boy, I think we need to deconstruct and reconstruct. We've done that before. Ben. That doesn't align with Jesus. Wait a minute. Say that statement again. Get that on. Whoa, whoa. Pause. Because I don't want Brenda to say, wah wah. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, that anything that doesn't align with Jesus needs to be restored. Because as, as him is the great restorer, he wants to bring these things back. I agree. Because I, I think the great thing about Jesus is that when we think of deconstruction, in our minds, we need to get rid of uh -huh. things. And since he's not this or that, he's like, oh, I want to restore these things. But he says, oh, I didn't come to abolish the law. And we're all here like, let's get rid of the law because it's hurt us. That's right. Like, no, 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 no. I didn't come to abolish that. I came to restore it and then build, build greater. Thank you. You just told the end of my message. Thank oh, you for that. that. That's okay. No, that's good. In the mouth of two or three really pretty guys. So be it. That's not how it goes. How's it go? Okay. Anyway, here's this. Here's my statement. Deconstruction without encounter 
deconstruction without encounter with the person of Jesus is the beginning of apostasy. Deconstruction without an ongoing encounter with the person of Jesus is the beginning of apostasy. I was waiting for someone to ask that question. Apostasy is actually, unfortunately, the end result of this deconstruction process if you are not in the presence of Jesus. It is a literal walking away from your faith. And there are a lot of Christians today who just a couple of years ago were faithful to not only the person of God, but to church attendance and to ministry. These are pastors and leaders in the church. And in the name of deconstruction, gave that up and now would say, oh, no, 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 Mark, 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 I still love God. But that's all they can say. And when they talk about, and I, I listen, look, I'm an open-hearted dude, and I will sit and I will listen to someone's story of deconstruction. And if I don't hear the person of Jesus, I, I was in prayer, or I was with the Lord, or the Lord showed me, then I'm going to be like, I want to know what the basis of this deconstruction is. And too often when the stories of deconstruction are told, the name of Jesus is absent. And Jesus exists to deconstruct. But if he is not the center of that process, then we have apostasy. Then you have, another word might be backsliding. How many of you have heard that word before, right? That's a good old-fashioned revivalist word. Yeah. All right. I don't want y'all backsliding. Okay. So one more time. Deconstruction without an ongoing encounter with the person of Jesus is the beginning of apostasy. It's the beginning of walking away from your faith. Kind of what Frederick was saying. Like, if he is not the central point of that which is being torn apart, because that's what deconstruction is to everybody. It's the tearing apart of things. And what Phil said is accurate. There are some things the church has taught that they should never teach again. It is true. There is as much unlearning that needs to happen in the church as there is learning that needs to happen. But if he is not the author of both the unlearning and the learning, then we have a problem. Can we all agree? I got some people just looking at me with those mean faces. Or it's just dark. It's just dark. Hold on. What? They're going from worshiping the Lord. Ask the question again just so we can. Spitballing. So does that mean that we're transitioning, they would transition from worshiping the Lord to worshiping themselves? What it, what is I think they're going away from focusing on the Lord and focusing on the Lord. Dude, dude, just take this. <laughs> just take this. <laughs> what am I even doing here? <laughs> I don't know, let's go. No, sorry. No, you're right. You're <laughs> <laughs> takes the mic from Maddie, takes the mic from me. <laughs> I didn't mean, I'm so No, keep it going. He asked the question. No, say what you were going to say. No, that's all I have to say. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I have a few more things than that. Okay, so I'll finish what he was going to say. I think many are leaving their core beliefs because of something other than Jesus. 
they had a painful experience. It was right there, right there. I can tell you, some of the painful experiences I, had, I, I have had personally have caused me to question God. I, I, tell me I'm not the only person in this room. Yes. And the whole point of questioning God, like God is really good with it. In your pain, question him. But literally, go to him and ask him questions. Don't question his existence. There's the difference. If you question his existence, that means you're not in his presence. Because if you're in his presence, the question of whether or not you exist, God, is a moot point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So the question of you existing, okay, we're good. You're there. I'm here. I experience your, your grace. I experience your comfort in this pain. I experience those waves of mercy that they were singing about. But I still have questions. And that is safe. And that is a good thing to do. And every single one of us children should be asking those questions. Just ask them to him. Are you with me? The deconstruction that leads to apostasy, that leads to a walking away from your faith, is asking those questions into the void. Well, no, yeah, I mean, you're kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're just asking it into the dark or you're screaming it into the brick wall instead of turning and saying, God, why did this happen? This pain is unbearable. I should not have lost this or I should not have lost him or her or this should not have happened. I think deconstruction is happening because of, uh, in the name of relevance, in the name of trends, in the name of culture, in the name of political ideologies. All of this stuff is kind of rising up and social media loves it. It rides these waves over and over again. And if we drink this potion that's being offered to us through all these ways, you will have questions. You will question core beliefs Things that you have stood on for years. Did it again. Sorry. I want to do the... I forget how to do it. Anyway. Pain, cultural trends, political ideologies, what influencers are saying or not saying. Just, just hold on. What we end up doing is we end up building a faith on something other than the rock. And instead of building with the Lord, because that is the whole point, you know, when we grow, when we build, we add to. Like the kingdom is always adding. The kingdom is always growing. The kingdom is always expanding. Of the increase of his government. This is part of the prophecy for, of the coming of Jesus in Isaiah, nine, I think it's 9. It says, of the increase of his government, which is of his influence, of his reign, of his power, of his authority, shall have no end. So deconstruction's okay is if, in correlation with deconstruction, is I'm building something. I'm growing. I'm advancing. All right, before, let's have Christian share. Are we going further? So there's a, a thought I had from last week. We talked about wisdom, right? Um, wisdom 
acting in wisdom always has the, the best outcome. But to act in wisdom sometimes costs the greatest, right? But it only costs the most because it, it makes us give up the things that we, like idols. So like I need to give up certain things of my, that I've latched myself onto um, in order to act in wisdom. So sometimes we don't want to do that, so we pervert wisdom into the things that we want. And so many times the deconstruction happens when the Lord asks us to do something, we look at it as actual wisdom and say, no, that's too hard. Um, why don't I make it look more like me? And so now we, we stop worshiping the Lord. Like, it's the same thing we've done to heroes. We say, okay, well, being a hero is too hard, so let me celebrate the anti-hero. You know, let me look at something that's more like me and just worship that. And sometimes we do that to the Lord and the deconstruction is making the Lord look more like us and worshiping that. I agree with that. And I do think that's a lot of what's been happening in the church over the last, I would say, 10 to 20 years is instead of causing us to turn and become more like him, we have taken the person of the Lord and tried to make him more human again. And like... I, I want to tell the church, like, God already did that. That's the whole point of this season, is God has already done that, and he's actually displayed what it is to be human. Hey, guys, let me show you what humanity was really supposed to be like and how you all could actually walk in the same way as I do. Isn't that incredible? Christmas is the, the declaration. I'm taking, I can't do it. I don't understand it. Like, no, I just want this off. Because it keeps talking to me and I don't know how to turn it off. Christmas for me is God saying to all of us, hey, I want to tell you not only who I am, but I want to tell you who you could really be. And it's a calling of us up into something powerful, into something beautiful, into something much bigger and grander than the reality that many of us live in. And what deconstruction does, in my opinion, is it lets our current reality determine who God is. Instead of talking to God and saying, God, could you help me to determine my reality? Christianity is all about heaven coming to earth. Hello? The whole point of this is he comes. And he comes and he says the kingdom of God is here. And so now the Christian life that you and I live is this ongoing increase of heaven in and through our lives. Your circumstances, your life should be expanding and smelling and sounding more and more like heaven. That's what Christmas is. And so I think about, I think about Christmas this way. Like I don't, I, I want to think about Christmas more traditionally, like he came to give us presents and gifts and all that great stuff. But when I think about Christmas, I actually think about heaven's such a strong desire to be one with humanity, the world, and bring us into the heavenly experience. But here's the thing. Even as I say those words, it almost kind of rolls over into a fog in most of our minds because we're so fogged over by our current reality that it just becomes a nice story and we sing some nice songs at Christmas and then we move on into January. How many people are looking forward to January? 
Yeah, I don't see a single hand going up in the air. And there's all kinds of different reasons why we're not looking forward to January, but most of us don't look forward to January. It's a really great end of the year. Wow, this is wonderful. January. And what's worse is February's colder. What the heck? Jesus becoming flesh was intended to erase every doubt and to fill in every gap about who God is. That's why the baby came in a manger. It's why the Magi came to see him. Because they were like, I don't want any more doubts about who God is. That's why he's the door. Okay? If anybody's ever wondered why Jesus is the door in John chapter 10, it's simply this. There's no other way to the Father except through me. Look, here's one of the things that I have heard in the deconstruction street. How dare Christians say that Jesus is the only way to God? I've heard Christians say this. Just think about this. Christians are questioning the idea that Jesus is the only way to God. Just think about that. Before I even say what I actually think that phrase means, can you believe that that's how far some of the deconstruction process has gone in the lives of Christians? But the point of me saying this is this. Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes unto the Father except through me, right? That's the verse. That is a declaration of, look, you can now throw away every other form, every other uh, idol or any other figment in your mind. Because look, even if you're 75 years old and for the last 75 years you've had this picture of God in your mind, you know what? You have the freedom to let that go now because here I am. And most people were like, I like the figment better. That's the deconstruction. I like the figment better, so instead of looking at the reality and saying, that is God, I choose another door and I build another faith. And for many people, they actually believe that they're deconstructing to that foundational truth of who Jesus is. But if it's not in the face of and in the presence of, I am the door, you are not building toward the Father. You're actually building away from him. But here's the thing, and this is what the deceptive part is. You're building away from God in the name of God. This might be overly theoretical to you, but if you actually ponder what I just said, there are thousands and I would even say millions of Christians that are currently on that road, building toward God without him and are actually building away from him. I want to give you one quick example of this. Some of you might have seen this on Facebook because some of us might have this mutual friend. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't know if we need to hit pause on the live feed or not. We're not going to say any names. So there was a friend of mine, friend meeting Facebook friend. You know what I'm saying? Now friend doesn't even have the same terminology anymore. Deconstructed to the point where the idea of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary was God impregnating a woman without permission and actually correlated that with the Me Too movement. That God violated Mary and we need to throw away the belief of a virgin birth. 
Because there's absolutely no way. I, I, I'm, I'm literally brokenhearted about the thought that we could actually throw away something so beautiful and tarnish it with a current cultural trend. So instead of seeing it from the heavenly perspective and then bringing it to earth, we are looking at the heavenly beauty through the earthly filter and calling it unholy. Are you getting the gist of, there was a lot more to it, but basically God didn't ask for permission. And here's what makes it worse from this perspective. Because it was an authority figure named God, and even though Mary said, be it unto me, this beautiful, incredible phrase, be it unto me according to your word, that was framed as, well, it was an authority figure saying it was okay. So of course they were pressured into saying, yes, you may do that. I cannot think of something more backwards in the perspective. You are reading a divine moment through a cultural current phenomenon. Okay? Now, look, there might be some of you in this room that are thinking, you know what, that actually makes some sense there. Why would God violate a woman like that? And I'm not here to debunk that or to debate that with you. I'm simply saying that that is a, that is a perspective of deconstruction where we are taking a heavenly reality and we are coming at it from an earthly perspective. The entirety of the kingdom coming to earth is that we no longer look that way. Okay? We don't look at heavenly perspectives through earthly filters. And honestly, that's the reason why a lot of us have such different beliefs about God is because of all of our earthly experiences that are even shared in this room. This is a small room with a small number of people, but there are a lot of different life experiences in this room. And as a result, no matter how hard we try to look at God as he is, we still look at him through the filter of our life experiences. We do. And as a result, we all have different perspectives of who God is. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us is that we are led into all truth. We're led into the reality of Holy Spirit literally cleans away the filters of pain, cleans away the filters of current social trends, clears away the, ideolo the ideologies and things that people cause us to believe because of we listen and read them more than we spend time in the light. Holy Spirit exists to constantly bring to the fore, to bring up into our vision who God is. The mystery of Holy Spirit living on the inside of humanity is the ongoing Emmanuel. It's the ongoing truth that God is with us. And he exists with us so that at any point in time, if the pain shows up or if the influence of this world shows up and de determines to alter the reality of who God is, Holy Spirit jumps in and says, hey, remember me? Hey, before you let that pain create an idol, before you let that experience or that influence create another version of me, hello, here I am. Come, come, come. Come to the river. Come to the altar and remember me again. You know, I, 
I'm a big believer in daily time spent with the Lord. Anybody else? I'm a big believer in it for that reason alone. There are so many influences crying out for your attention, your affection, my ongoing creative ability to create the divine. You know, because you are made in the image and nature of God, the character, image, nature, all of that, you have the same creative ability God does. That's why your creative attention is so important to influencers, to spirits of this world, to other people. They know if they can get your attention, you will create another version of God other than the one that actually is. Well, I hope you're catching this. This is actually Holy Spirit anointing. It wants that attention because if it can divert it and cause you to build a, a version of God that's not who he is, then it muddies the water. And it creates confusion and it creates division. And it's the reason why we have all of these different denominations and all these different beliefs, even inside a, a community of faith like this. Are you with me? Jesus is the ongoing, here I am, as a baby, as a two-year-old when the Magi show up, as a teenager in the shop with dad, at 30 years old when he's being baptized, for the next three years when he's doing ministry, it's here I am. There are no more where, nowhere else you have to go. That's why you don't have to go to the temple anymore. That's, when he, that's why the temple gets destroyed and he says in three days he'll raise it back up again because I am the temple. Come here. Come right here. I am who he is. And then holy, but the you know, question I've always had about this is, you know what? Those guys who got to hang out with Jesus for 33 years, what a blessing. What about us? <laughs> You know, I, I want to see him in the flesh so I don't have the questions I have. And Holy Spirit's like, hello. Like, as soon as that question comes up into my spirit, Holy Spirit bubbles up and says, hey, right here, hello. That's why I think the church should be talking much more about Holy Spirit. Because he is the living reality of who Jesus was for 33 years in the flesh. He is in Christrup right now. He is in all of us right now. And not only is he in each one of us, he is on all of us corporately. So there's an expression of, of God that comes through Maria when she's at work or when she's with the kids or when she's with Denver. And then there's another one when we all come together and bring the corporate expression of the personal Holy Spirit involved in each one of us. It's incredible. It's ongoing. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to finish with this. I don't even know what time it is anymore because I took it off. But I believe we have glorified leaving and abandoning in the name of progress and growth. I believe we've glorified it where it's actually now cool to leave things and abandon things in the name of growth and progress. It's like this new cool hip thing to do. Oh, no, no, no. I used to believe that junk, but I don't believe it anymore. Almost to the point where, like, for a lot of us, if we believe... Jesus is the rock, and he, he is asking for an actual belief in him. Like, you're actually an old fuddy-duddy now. Some of the things that you actually would say are core functioning parts of your faith are strongly being questioned by leader after leader. 
I actually think it's, it's the church, again, trying to model itself after the world. Like it's a new trend in the church to leave and abandon. And not only that, not just leaving and abandoning principles or leaving and abandoning facets of your faith, but leaving and abandoning people. I mean, it's been a thing now for a while. We don't go to church anymore, but we still believe in God. Like, I don't address that very much here because I really don't want to ever make you feel like it's religious pressure on you to come to church. But I think it's really important to be part of a community of faith. And not just to show up when you're not doing whatever you normally do on a weekend. Hey, we got nothing to go on this weekend. We can go to church. Like, I think it's really important that you show up consistently. And not to the building, but to this together, worshiping as one, experiencing God in this group is, dare I say this, it's a different experience than if you did it by yourself. It has to be because I get the wash of all of you. When I'm over here, I get the wash of all of your experiences with God. I get that and it's different than when I'm doing it at home. And on top of that, what you bring and then what you receive, it's a beautiful exchange that cannot happen. Just, oh, it's me and God on the fishing boat. Don't get me wrong, that's good and that's necessary and needed, but that's part. Let me finish. Huh? It's a deconstruction of family. So she, well, what Chris is saying here is, well, my mom and dad, that was great for them, but I'm going to abandon everything mom and dad did, and I'm going to do it my way. No, guys, actually, there's a lot of great things mom and dad did. Don't deconstruct everything in the name of the few things that maybe weren't great. I mean, my wife grew up Mennonite. She in the room? Yeah. Dad's in the room. There were some really strong foundational things I would never want her to abandon that were learned in that denominational faith. In fact, I think it's the foundation of our personal family because she grew up in that. Were there other things that were taught that weren't as a result of an encounter with God? Yes, let that go. But there are really important things that all of us have experienced as the result of seeing Jesus for who he is. Don't you dare let go of that. That's the rock that you build your house on. And that's the end. That's why I want to say this. Instead of leaving and abandoning being the cool thing to do, I want the new cool thing to do to build and grow. Let's add. Look, I've been doing construction now as a business for the last six, seven years. And if there's one thing I have found is that we do a heck of a lot more building than we do deconstructing. I would not get paid very much if most of my work was deconstructing, unless I was a demo expert. Demo is usually like the first 5 to 10% of the job, and the next 90 to 95 is building it back right. There are things that are consistently torn down in the building process, and that is the scaffolding that's used to stand on it while you're building. That is set up and torn down, set up and torn down. And there are things in your life that are scaffolding, necessary for the building process, and then we take it down. But you know what the beautiful thing it is? You don't take it down and throw it away and never use it again. You take it down and you put it in storage so the next time it's needed, and then you bring it out, time to grow again. And you bring out the scaffolding, and you bring out the tools, and you set up the tables. And it's 
it sounds like work and it sounds and it smells like sweat and it's it's all this fun stuff is part of the building process and it's beautiful let's add let's grow let's establish let's expand the idea of leaving things in order to grow only long enough to start adding and building and growing again i see a hand okay i need a can you run the mic back Lauren D. I don't think it. Okay. Hello. I just wanted to share something that um, I discovered yesterday, and I'm really excited that we're actually talking about this. <laughs> this is very timely, I feel, just in general as a whole. Um, but it's a quote by C.S. Lewis Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you were not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wire here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Beautiful. Thank you for that. So, you know, I, again, probably didn't come around to some really cool, jingly little Christmas theme. And that really wasn't the point of this. The point of this was I really do believe Christmas is the declaration of heaven of, hey, this is who God really is. There are some things you need to forget because you built these, you grew these, or you, you enacted things or started things that were without me, you can let those things go. But please, can you build a new starting with me, meaning Jesus? Start right here with me. Are there some things you need to abandon? Absolutely, but abandon only long enough to start bringing things into your life that are really valuable based upon who I am that you've experienced in times with the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I actually believe, Jesus, you are the author of both creation and deconstruction. You can be, let me say it that way, the author of both. And God, there are things that we have come to believe that exist because of time, moments, experiences that you were not center. May we have the, the boldness to let those things go. That's the good deconstruction. That's what needs to take place. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. May our lives be built upon and expanded as a result of who you are as the way, the truth, and the life. God, I ask you that you would be the author of both the creation of our lives and that which needs to be removed and deconstructed in our lives. 
They had all happened in the presence, in the ongoing encounter of the person of who God really is. His name is Jesus. Jesus, if needed, show up in our dreams, show up in unexpected ways, show up in people that we're not ready for, but they come and they say important things to us or they do important things for us that we couldn't do on our own. Would you be Emmanuel? Father, I even know that in this room, there are people who can be Emmanuel for others in their lives. Like I even, I, I, saw, I saw this as I was praying this morning. Many of you right now are Emmanuel for somebody else. Like they, they might not realize it, they may not put the name Jesus with who you are, but your presence in their life is revelation born. Revelation of who God really is. Understanding the light comes on when you're in their life. They're able to see clearly. They're able to understand the deepest parts of who they are start to vibrate when you're in their presence. Take it seriously. Because that's what Holy Spirit exists on the inside of you for. To both remind you and others of who God really is. I pray for continued expansion and growth of people's lives on the rock of who Jesus is. I bless you with that growth and that expansion. In Jesus' name. And now I just stretch my, my faith over the highway that's right in front of us here. I declare the life. I declare no accidents over 81 and the adjoining roads on the on-ramps and exit ramps. In Jesus' name, angels, station yourselves. Guard these, these uh, tractor trailers, the cars, and everything in between. No death over our highway this week as people travel for the holidays. We declare it so in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. See you Wednesday. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.